Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No gal man is a guy to say it on sweet Georgia Brown. Two left feet. Oh, so neat and sweet Georgia Brown. They all sigh, want to die for sweet Georgia Brown. I'm telling you just why I don't lie, no, not much. Ooh, it's been said she knocked some dead when she. Hey, this is Steve Balton, and welcome back to My Turning Point. This week, Sage Baba and I have a really incredible episode for you. We had the great, great honor of speaking with the legendary Taj Mahal. What an amazing interview. His insights are fascinating. We hope you enjoy this one as much as we did. Thanks so much. This is such a wonderful record. The sense of nostalgia that permeates this record is is just beautiful. Like you listen to it and it takes you back. But you hear, I can picture you as a kid listening to these songs for the first time. Like it has that sense of like childlike wonder. So it's funny when you started doing these songs, right? Yeah. Did it take you back to being a kid? Uh, I'm every day I go back to being a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need it. Music's always a music's a, a, a continuum from whenever it started to, to right now going forward. I'm just on the train at the moment. Um, yeah. I mean, it was really good because, you know, I, a lot of this stuff I'm, never shared you know you know what my parents like i was talking to my brother this morning and i'm talking to him about something you know my dad was really interested also in 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 uh, aviation so one christmas I, I remember that they they didn't they they were kind of strapped for money and they brought the two of us the three of us because there's three boys and before they, the two girls came um and he bought us these air, these me, these metal, little metal airplanes, and I was asking my brother, did he remember them? And he said, no. And we were, we were, we're I'm just thinking, you know, when everybody, because I'm the eldest, there's a whole bunch of memory that I have that these guys don't have. I didn't realize that. You know, I'm not that far. I think I'm about three, three years older than um, him. I think, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like seven. Well, I'm more than three. He's like. 70, 76 now, maybe. And, but we're having great times talking about this stuff because, you know, so music wise, you know, I'm, I'm in. Once, once I found out that, you know, I'm always in. If, if, if in 1975 or 1968, you know, uh, Count Basie had come someplace where I could have gone and seen him, I'd have gone and seen him, you know, because, you know, as much as I would have gone to see Muddy Waters, you know, or, or uh, you know, some guy like that, because I just was covering as much, you know, as much area as I could get in. Some of it I could do, some of it I was a fan of, I was a fan of all of it. But, you know, no, I mean, it, it, it does. I mean, I'm, I'm in, trying to enlighten people that this isn't something that just happened now. You know, it isn't that, you know, a record company said, well, Charles, you've done all this stuff in music. Why don't you do a, uh, a a jazz record? No, 
it's its time. It's in its own time. It feels good, you know, like that would be. Well, see, and these songs are so timeless and so perfect anyway, and it's amazing right. because part of the reason that Sage is on this call is because she's 24 and a ridiculously talented jazz singer. So it's oh. like she knows all these songs. So it's like I love the fact that you – how old are you now? You're 80, right? Yeah. You have 80, 80. and 24, and you guys love the same songs. Yeah, well, it, that, 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 that may be uncommon in, in, in dominant culture, but in when I grew up, 80 and 24, that was really working because those you knew the way we were taught that those the people who were 80 had some information and that you needed to learn how to be around them, you know. And that was what you tried. That was what I prided myself as a young kid. A lot of old, older people like me. And, and, and I've, I've begun to realize that that was an important thing to have as a young kid growing up. You want older people to like you, want, them, want you to be around. You're not a, you know, you're not a problem to them. You know, so yeah, 80, 24, sure. Why not? You know. Sage? Yeah, well, this music is um, so timeless and the lyrics, the harmony, it can be translated to, to each decade. And it's amazing to see like other people um, that are youngins these days, like really loving this music. And I'm super excited for your record and I got to hear some of it. And I love the songs that you chose. Some of my favorites, like Mood Indigo. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just like, there's just so much music to, from this era to be celebrated. So I'm so happy that you've created this project. It's super cool. Well, be on the lookout for a group called the Jazz Therapists. And this is a group of, of musicians from here in the Bay Area. Um, um, and with Mike Renta, um, uh, uh, Ana De Leon is their, their vocalist. Um, let me see. Um, Bob Schultz is a guitar player. Um, let's see. Oh, and just, uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, Mike Renta and, and then Lincoln Adler is a saxophone player with it. And there's some of the, some of the people who were a part of this project here are in this band. And that they don't play any song past 1942. So everything's everything's early, everything's earlier than 42. Mm -hmm. You know. So so we can give you an example. Do you know a tune called What a Difference a Day Makes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you are you are you familiar with the history of that song? Not from the top of my head. Okay, so you know that that the big the the big the most one of the most popular versions of that was Dinah Washington. Yeah. Okay. Do you realize that that song was written in 1934 by a Mexican woman who was a composer? Wow. Her name is Maria Grebar. G e g r e v a r, and it's called Cuando. Vuelves a tu lado when I come back to your side. And it's, and then the lyrics were written, I thought that the lyrics were written later, but no, they were written in that year by someone. And then there's a great version by um, Natalie Cole. Beautiful. And and Edie Gourmet the, and with, with Trio Los Panchos. I, I, I woke up one morning and I'm, and I'm, and, and the song was, the tune was in my head, 
I said, you know what? I'm going to go look up, go on, go on, look, look that up, see what it is. I was shocked. And of course, I brought it to, uh, to the, the jazz therapist, and they just love it. You know, I'm always bringing to and still, you know, that, you know, that we find, but that's it. And, and it's like, here it is. And they, they play, they, you know, they, there was a, they have, um, sponsor, we sponsor them. So they only play, play, you know, where they're seniors and they're, they're doing like three or four gigs a week, you know, going and playing, you know, maybe an hour, hour and 20 minutes, 10, hour and 10 minutes, you know, and playing nothing but those old tunes like that. You know, things they want to use, you know, not even things they want what they used to be, but just, just all the great songs, best main moon show, blah, 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 you know, this one, that one, all, you know, all the great tunes. And they're so, like, you're right, they're timeless. And I, I, I get in every once in a while, I play six string banjo and I do, you know, maybe CC Rider or something like that, a good, a nice, you know, Bruce who that a jazz band could play, you know. But yeah, it's, it's just exciting. Don't, don't ever let it go. And realize that you will never, I tell people, I tell young people and tell most of my friends, if you had a hundred lifetimes and you listen to this music that we, that's been created here in the last mm, 150, 200 years right here is that you couldn't, you couldn't play it all. You couldn't hear it all. It's so much, it's so much, you know, because there's a lot of the things that people thought were popular you know, or, or thought, you know, played them popularly. And there was all these other things that they didn't get. So all everybody knows of the era is what was popular and what made them, what, what cranked the money machine. But what about all this other stuff? You know, that's great. That's why there's so much, still so much music out there because they didn't do it all. They didn't put it all out there. And some of it they did. And, you know, we're lucky. Anyway, next question. <laughs> All right, well, I'll take this one. Next question. It's funny. When you do these songs, I talk about this with people all the time, right? You do a song, you know the song. You you love the song. You've heard it a million times. But when you start performing it, you get into different nuances. So were there songs off this record that really changed for you when you started to perform them? Ones that you heard um, in a different way and appreciated I, it in a different I, way? I had never sung any of these songs in, in, in any kind of capacity. Uh, they were just inside my mind. I listened to the artists that I liked that sang it, you know, or I sang a line out of them when I was walking, feeling pretty good. You know, my parents, well, when you just like, I'm just a lucky so-and-so. That was a saying that my father and mother had. And, you know, or I mean, it would say this in conversation to people or conversation to each other. You know, he would say, Melchior, you know, I did blah, 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 blah. And she said, well, well, sweetheart, I think you just must be a lucky so-and-so. <laughs> you know, and so, so like, the, the, the music was living. Like I was telling people that, you know, it's like in those days, all those legendary artists were living, making music. And, you know, given the tenor of the times, music was like where you could send the messages, the cultural you can know what was going on. You can get the one in one, you know. I mean, in those days, if a record was hot on the East Coast, the, Pull, the Pullman Porters used to buy stacks of records and drop them off across the country and pick up stuff, pick up stuff in Los Angeles, take it to Chicago, down to New Orleans, come from New Orleans, go to New York, go to Philadelphia, you know, 
Philly, Pittsburgh, you know, go to Atlanta. And they were moving this stuff around. It was amazing, man. There's so much that goes on that we don't even know about, you know. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So was there one song for you? And then, Sage, you can take the next one. But was there one song for you that you really started to hear in a different way or that you really started to appreciate? I love the, um, which one was it? I suck with titles. I mean, oh, the first single, G Baby Ain't I Good To You. I feel like that's one of those ones that every guy in the history of the world can just identify with. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, uh, I, I mean, I've known that song since I was in single digits. Okay. And at that time, I wanted to grow up to be, be a man that understood that song because I knew there was something there. There's some mystery there that I don't know. But you, it seemed like you got to grow up to be able to be there. You know, it's like I've long grown up, long been there, and uh, you know, so it was, it was, re- it was, it was, re- it was, it was always a nice tune. I was, I can never remember. I can remember as a kid just loving the way Nat King Cole sang it, and then I, I had listened to it and listened to, it, and then I stopped listening to it and just sang it the way I sang it, and realized I sang it completely a whole other way, you know, just. Because it was on how all those songs are how I felt that day when I opened my mouth to sing, not planned or anything, you know. So I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm really enjoy- it. Took me a while because that was like a little bit. Oh, okay, well, I'm thought I'm, I would like to do that. Could have done this, and then I sat back and just let it flow, and I and I enjoyed it because a lot of people don't listen to their own music. I do. I like what I'm. You know, I don't put no doubt that I want to hear. I wouldn't. I can't imagine why I would, would record a song and don't like it. You know. Well, that's that's what I was asking about being a kid again. Is that it's funny what you say that you've known it since single digits, right? You don't. You 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 know you do it as a kid. Then you learn what it means as an adult, right? You know, and then when you do it all these years later, I'm sure it takes you back a little bit to you know that mentality of like because now you can start to hear it and be like, oh, that's what Nat meant. Oh yeah, well I mean I'm, I mean I, as an adult, long, I long time ago knew. By the time I was twenty five, I knew what Nat was talking about. You know, twenty for God's sakes. You know, but um, you know, I just knew it was one of those things that it was like a it was like a a, a Rubik's cube is one of them puzzles I will solve one day, and I did. You know, but I never I was b- busy doing other kinds of music, so. I didn't have the opportunity to do to do that style to use my jazz chops like that, and I did. I did a did a, a record called Conjure. It was the poetry of Ishmael Reed with a great, an, an incredible cast of you know jazz musicians and um, you know David Murray, you know um, golly, um, oh, yeah, just on it could go on and on and on. Alan Toussaint on piano, Friesen Augustine on guitar. You know, Ponte Rios on congas, you know, Claudina Myers on on percussion, you know, got Jamaladeen Tacumba and Steve Swallow on bass, you know. Um, God, what was the, Steve Swallow's lady's name? She was the one who used to have the bangs like this and play. I can't think of her name right now. She was she was wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, but it was it was you know, I did that play guitar. Oh, Olu Dollar was on that session. You know, and now got a chance to use the bunch of ass chops. And then, uh, then the the Yaya Sisterhood, I did a cameo in there. And, uh, you know, done some other stuff, you know. Um, 
did the Reefer Man uh, with the Cab Calloway tune and, you know, different stuff, man. I just, just you know, just love it. You know, one of my favorite singers was um, Dakota Staten. Love Dakota, you know. And, uh, yeah, you know, love, love a lot of music, instrumental and vocal, you know. Big band, small combo, you know, organ trios, you know, all of it. If, 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 if I can feel it, I'm enjoying it. Cool. Well, since I've spent all this time talking and Sage is way more knowledgeable about this music than me, this is all you now. Well, I'd love to go back in, in your story. And I was just so ecstatic today to learn that you studied agriculture and animal husbandry, which I wasn't quite sure what that meant until today either. But I grew up on a farm upstate New York, and I just would love to hear it. Um, like during that time of studying at Amherst, how that like influenced your musical development and your identity and how those two worlds like helped you become the incredible artist that you are. Well, I, I, you know, I haven't really taken that much to think about. Somebody, I was saying that, telling somebody that one time says, well, no, he says, well, you, 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 you didn't farm cattle. You farmed music. <laughs> I kind of laughed at that. It was kind of funny. But you know, the thing was, is that, you know, Africans introduced to the Western world came with agriculture and great, great, great agrarian culture, great music culture, and many other things, spiritual, so forth and so on. So the two things, you know, when I was a kid trying to figure out, okay, well, what are you going to do? When you, what are you going to do when you grow up? No, I'm not going to be a policeman. I don't want to be a farmer. You know, I have none of, none of those things. And it, was not, and it wasn't interested in being a baseball player. You know, all these different things. Basketball player, I grew up in Springfield, Massachusetts, the home of basketball, you know, where they invented it, the, the, the present day game. The older game was a Native American game. But anyway, moving, moving right along, uh, what, you know, what I saw was that the two things people would never, ever go without would be food and music. So, at first, I, my idea was to go and study, basically, apprentice myself to a farmer, older farmers, particularly in the South, and particularly Black Americans, to, to get the style of farming that they did. But then something told me is that, said, you know what, maybe times have changed and there might be a smart move for you to, to take some, take go to, you know, go to school for it. So while I was in high school, junior, yeah, junior high school, I heard about um, uh, a vocational agriculture course, and of course that people had vocational agriculture courses. And then I started studying 4-H and Future Farmers of America and realized that these kids, you know, from the time that they were old enough to hold a halter and walk a calf or uh, a horse or goats or sheep or whatever, you know, you know their pigs or their chickens, you know, you know whatever, they were, they were doing it. So I kind of if there was any time in my life I felt deprived, that was it. I just never, never got the chance, that chance to be that close up around those kinds of animals. And so at that particular point in Massachusetts, there's something called the Eastern States Exposition, which happened in West Springfield, Massachusetts. So we used to go to the exposition and they would lose me and invariably find me in the cow barns, you know, hanging out with the cows. You know, the people and the kids that were hanging out 
with the cows and they were so cool and hang out with their animals and the animals were cool, you know? And so I wanted to know more about that and seeing that, you know, that was, you know, something I felt really deep about. And, uh, and then, you know, I, then, then, then I, I, you know, made it known that I was interested in going to school for that. And then they looked into the local trade school, which used to have it, vocational school. And then it, it, it left out because people that were doing that moved farther away from the city. Um, so, uh, fortunately enough, my mother was working across the river in the town and they had, they had a branch of future promise over there. So they worked to get, <clears throat> get me get bus tickets so I could bus over there and go to school over there. So I did that and really enjoyed it because then I could go to university extension service, be in their cow barns and see their horses and sheep and all that kind of stuff. And I did three years there, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, graduated. And then I went and every summer and every vacation forever, weekends, Every vacation, I was on a farm, on you know, a dairy farm. And then when I graduated, I went and worked a whole year, stayed you know, on the farm all the time. And from June, I think June 1960 till September 61, I was out on the farm all the time. Then I went to the university. And so going to the university, you know, put me in touch with a, the whole burgeoning folk music scene of, to which I had you know, some idea about playing guitar and certain kind of music. I had a good ear and a pretty good singing voice, you know, and so I was excited about being around all that, but you know, it was like, my thought was uh, either either um, I, you know, make some money playing music and get a farm or get a farm and play music on the weekends, you know, you know, sweep up the hay mile bring the band in and let's go bring the folks in. Let's do some dancing. Let's do some playing. So it was kind of like that. But then it seemed like the music got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I kept putting down, putting it down the road. Well, a farm maybe one of these days, but I'll just stay, you know, in touch with what's going on and with the people that were on the farm that I used to work at, you know, and, and other people that were farmers that I know, people that I went to school with you know, still in touch with them and what they're doing in agriculture. You know, and following, you know, following what's happening in agriculture, both nationally and globally, you know. And, uh, yeah, staying, as well as I'm staying in touch with the music, you know, which is the big one. But, you know, who knows what the future may bring. Maybe a farm, you know, maybe a little spread somewhere. Who knows? Wow. So you were writing music and listening to music all throughout your your time, and then you moved to California and made it all happen. Yeah, I came to California because of Ry Cooter. He he had talked this guy who I ran into and in, into in Cambridge, and I was so surprised that he there was a whole bunch of other guys around trying to tell you, say that they were playing this music. This guy was playing it. And I said, well, where did you learn how to play like that? Because I knew what the music sounded like. And I really didn't hear anybody around me that really was playing it. So only a couple guys, maybe Al Wilson or Candy, David Evans. He was a real good player. You know, the music that they were playing was okay. And their folk music and their Celtic music, all that was okay. 
I have no quite I have no qualms against it. But with all these guys that were claiming they played blues, I sit there in the audience and I didn't hear eight bars of blues no matter how hard they played or didn't. But this guy came along playing and I asked him, Oh, where where did you learn how to play that? He said he took some lessons from a guy out in Los Angeles. You know, he said he lives out, he came out from LA, he lived out there. He took some lessons from Reverend Gary Davis and took some lessons from this guy named Rye Cooter. So I said, would you think that guy would like to be in a band? He says, I don't know. I said, well, well, let's get him out here because we're on the East Coast. He says, well, I don't think he can come out. I said, well, why is that? He said, he's 17 years old. I said, we're going to California. <laughs> and we did. I met him like the first week I came out and said, hey, he asked me, well, what are you, what are you, what are you up to? And I said, want to get together and put together a band and we lucked out you know um the, and we, he was connected to a place called the um mccabe's guitars are still out there and uh they were that was this was a, during the time martin guitar was trying to maybe make a little foray into making electric guitars and so we got a couple of electric guitars and i think i don't know if that what kind of bass we had we had a bass though we had a bass player. And the four of us, Jesse Lee Kincaid playing drums and Ry Cooter playing slide guitar, me playing regular guitar with a harmonica on the rack, all of us singing, and Gary Marker playing bass. We were at the uh, the Martin um, booth out there at the Teenage Fair. You know, and um, that was the beginning of it. And then we morphed our way on into the Rising Suns. And then ran into all that political drama and trauma, you know, with record companies and what they were trying to do. And uh, we recorded one album and then, you know, we all just said, you know what, this is deep. All this trauma is too much. We just got out of there. But, you know, I was still signed to the record label. We all were individually and as a group. You know, so I pushed my way in, called Clive Davis up. And, uh, left a message for him and a few hours later he called me back and we talked set something up and the next thing I know I the things that needed to happen were happening you know, got a producer said he sent some producers out first one was first one was a you know was the winner David Rubinson and so then I started there and you know the music kept growing and growing and growing so I kept on kept on the case you know 60, 61, I don't know, 63 years later, here we are. <laughs> nice. Well, Stage, we'll do one more question. So I'll do this quick. And Because you mentioned McCabe's. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I've seen so many shows at McCabe's. The greatest oh, place yeah. in the world. The most uncomfortable chairs in the entire world. I've seen three-hour shows there. You can't even stand up by the time it's done. Your ass is numb. But great venue. And those lamps. I know. I know. What's the best show you ever saw there? Whew, that's hard. That's hard to say. Man, I saw it because because I didn't go there unless it was somebody I really liked. You know, I mean, I was over the top. I don't just go, I didn't just go there. Just, you know, I would go there to hang out, but it was a show that I didn't particularly care about. I'm not, you know, I, I have nothing to say because I wasn't there. <laughs> but no, I only went for great shows, you know, and they had some great, just great stuff there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, quick. On the album, and then I'm going to let Sage wrap up, but on the album, 
what do you want people to take from the album when they hear it? What, what's like the coolest thing that, you know, because again, like we talked about, one of the great things is, again, you have a 24-year-old who knows this music. I think what's really cool is that, you know, making this music accessible to everyone. Well, yeah, I, I think the, the the coolest thing is that that this would be an album that that you'll be dying to have, have to listen to with your friends, you know, share it with people, and that it just becomes to be like, you know, a quasar going off, you know. That that everybody would would really feel really great because they heard the music and just said, "Wow, you know, I never really heard this music before." You know, and it's really nice, and, you know, and they really enjoy it. And older people who you know haven't heard anything because of you know the the vice the vice grip lock, you know, the music industry has on this you know terrible you know lower chakra music that they're playing, you know, and. You know, you can go through my whole catalog you and not hear me do any of that kind of stuff. I never did. There's no reason. There's always somebody's going to do it, you know. And so this is why I, I got plenty of room to do this, man. You know, I'm, nobody's telling me to or not to. So, and that's on all the albums I've ever made. Nobody tells There's nobody back from, they're saying, okay, you record this. This is what's in it. No, I do what I, I do what I feel and what I like. And Sometimes it's an audience sport. Sometimes, you know, they don't hear it till later. Whatever. I know I've done it. And I know where it is. And if you need to hear it, I can bring it up to you so you can listen to it. You know, so I'm excited that there's some great songs that, you know, people will get to hear. And that's that, that's all you can really hope for. Cool. Sage, all you to finish up. I love how you called that kind of music low chakra music that's so oh it's well yeah i mean listen it's it's just way they got the wrong they got the wrong messages going into the shop the low shoppers because you could do that and that could really make people move around but if you had a good message on top but they got no message and and worse than that is that they're being programmed to have that message you know and they're, and that they're, they're falling in line it's like you know you gotta you gotta have more I have more stuff. I'm sure that if they hear me talk, oh, oh yeah, old man, what you talking about, OG? Yeah, yeah, I, I, no, I can go there. But that's not it. That's not it, you know. We have a higher resonance than that, you know. So I'm resonating where I am, you know. I think that's why this music is coming back now. People are craving this this deeper energetic and all all points of us, this connection. And something right. that... In an interview, you're just the conduit. It comes through. You're you're there to receive the gift. Any like, what is what is your most um, poignant advice that comes to mind of like young people that want to step into this music that has such an incredible history and make it new, but also like make sure that we're aligned in what it is. Right. First of all, remember that most people never use more than 10% of their facility. Most of them fluctuate somewhere around four and a half to seven, okay? So our problem becomes the other 90%. And more so, moreover, it's like we were always having the problem. We always think that the people who are the ones that are in the 10% and running everything and doing all these different things and trying to convince everybody else that they're not any that they're less than 10%, you know, is that we're always trying to put 
100 pounds in a 10-pound bag. And then what happens is I said, those people who we think is only if they, if they could only understand, and why don't they know? That's their job to be that. What your job is to recognize that you can't put 100 pounds in a 10-pound bag and that you're the problem because you keep thinking, you keep thinking bad about yourself. I can't get in there. They won't accept me. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not, I don't look like everybody else. I don't do what all of them do. Yes. <laughs> That's your gift. Thank you very much. And this is the way this music is. It's like here. It's like somebody's already given it. It's here. Let's get busy and put it out there and put it, be, you know, and give people an alternative to be able to connect to creation, to the universe, to the multiverse, you know, to to infinity, to eternity. This stuff is, is, and that's the way people made it at that time. You go back and listen to that, and you listen while you're listening to it, you're connected to every seems like every molecule in whatever the universe is right here. I'm it, you know, and that you have that we have the ability, and that this is a gift, and that comes through you, you know. You don't own it. Get out of your way. Get out of your own way. That, that's another big thing. Get out of your own way. Play, but also too, with learning how to play something, play what you don't know, what's hard. Keep playing what you don't know. And pretty soon, you gotta, you gotta, you look back and you go like, oh my God, I got, <laughs> I got plenty of stuff going for me. And, you know, don't be afraid to be different or hear something where other people don't hear it. You know, I just, I don't, I don't at all. Don't worry about it. Whatever it is, I hear it and I'm not afraid to put it out there. Wow. Just don't be afraid. No fear. No fear. Nina Simone. Oh, please. Tell me oh, about please. it. Yeah. Well, that is a great wrap up note. Unfortunately, I know Sage, you could talk all day to him, but uh, you've been very generous with your time already. Uh, Xander, I got your message. It's uh, yes, we recorded great. This was this was phenomenal. Thank you so much for your time. I, I you know, we both you loved are, it. My, my, it's my pleasure, and I'll be glad to see what this stuff looks like in print. Absolutely, <laughs> it'll look good. Ask Xander. I've done this a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not not thinking that. So I'll be be glad to see what it looks like. All right. Well, good. My pleasure. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You've been listening to My Turning Point with co-host Sage Baba and special guest Taj Mahal. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 